Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. Anyway, we're in John chapter 1. Turn with me to John chapter 1. We have been going through the book of John, and honestly, we're only still in John chapter 1. So turn with me to John chapter 1, starting at verse 29. I'm going to read it. And then we're going to talk about it. And then we also have to remember today's Palm Sunday, which God will talk about. And we're going to explain a little bit more in depth. So John chapter 1 says this. I'm going to read it in the NIV. It says, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look or see the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Look or see. Examine the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, this is John the Baptist speaking. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Notice what John's saying. He's saying, this Jesus, this Lamb that will be slain, the Lamb of the world has come before me and he's come after me. He says, I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he, Jesus, might be revealed to Israel. Let's pray over this. Jesus, Holy Spirit, recognize the power of your We recognize the power of your light the power of your goodness. And I just pray, Father, as we open up your word that we see that it pierces right to our soul. And so we speak against the lies of the devil right now over every mind. We speak against the enemy's tactic right now. And we pray that you would do whatever you want to do in our lives in this moment. In your name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I want you to look at verse 30 for a moment. I just want to preach on this for a second because when I was going over this, just Jesus hit me really powerfully with this verse 30. If you're reading verse 30, I just want you to look at it. It says, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Did you know that God comes before you and I? Like in the cosmic nature of God, I've talked about this. He is beyond time. Like he, he created time. God did. So like my, the little 12-year-old Sammy when I laid in bed, I couldn't comprehend that. I still can't. Can you? Like when did God come into existence? Like I don't, he's always been. Wrap your head around that for a moment. Our intellect cannot answer that question. But God has always been because God has created time. So he's above time and space. He's beyond it. So that tells me that God knows everything that will happen in the future. He knows every door that you could possibly walk through and be in and live in. And yet, he has given you a choice to go and to to, to live your life how you want. But he knows what will happen. He knows the future. And not only does he know the future, but he also 
He knows the past. So you and I can't go 20 years in the future, can we? There's no way. But God's already there. God already knows. God already sees. So God comes before you and I, but God also goes before us. So he's behind us and he's before us, but watch this. We serve the God who was and is and is to come. What do I mean by that? We walk in I am statements. So you and I, depending on where you're at, how you were raised, how you were taught to speak, you know what my mom would always tell me? Don't say that. Don't speak that over your life. There's power. There's life and death in the power of the tongue, Sammy. Don't speak that over your life. Be like, okay, mom, sorry. Why? Because God is the great I am, right? And he spoke life. And when he spoke, he spoke life into existence. What does the enemy do when he speaks? He speaks lies and death and destruction over your life. And so, watch this. Either we're in the I was or the I will, you and I. Many people are either in, well, I, I was, you know, I, I was doing well for myself and I'm not anymore. You know, I, you, you don't know, like I, I just done so many things and, and I'm a broken person and I'm not good enough. And so I, I was, so you live in the I was, you live in the past. Did you know if you live in the past, you will be depressed? Let me help you with therapy for a moment. If you live in the past, my friend, you will be depressed. So there's that. Because we're broken by what we did or what happened to us or what someone did to us. And so we're so, we wish we could go back and fix it. But my friend, you can't go back. So then we become depressed. But what about the I wills? Who lives in the I wills in the room? I find myself doing that often. Oh, man, when I'm here, when I'm just, when I'm this age, I'll, I'll do it then. I, I, I will when I'm there. And you know what happens? Let me help you with therapy for a moment. If you live in the I will, you become an anxious person. Anxiety will grip you because you're terrified of the future. You know what that tells me, my friend? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't mean, but I'm just pastoral. That tells me you do not trust God. You do not live, watch this, in the I am. My God told Moses when Moses was looking for God, he saw a burning bush, pretty peculiar, right? And in the bush, God spoke to him and said, Moses, I'm going to call you because you're living in the I was. And you're thinking about the I will but, well, who are you, God? How, how do, who do I tell the Egyptians and Pharaoh because I'm anxious and I'm fearful and I'm also depressed and I live in the I will and I live in the I was and tell them I am. Tell, Moses, you want to know who I am? I, I am. And, and that statement, my friend, that will go, you can't, you'll miss that real quick. You're like, I am, okay. No, sit on that for a moment. Please, I am, I am. Are you present enough to live in the I am? Because you'll be anxious or you'll be depressed. You'll be worried or you'll be broken. But my, my God says, I am. So are, are you willing to live with God in the I am? 
But again, what does the enemy speak to you or what does God speak to you about the I am? I have to, this morning, Kelly was like, hey, let's go get this. And I'm thinking about money. And I'm like, I didn't say anything this time. (laughs) You know what I did? I spoke life into whatever the enemy was lying to me. Absolutely, Kelly, let's do it. You know why? God's my provider. She's like, okay. (laughs) I am sustained by God. I am provided by. I am good enough because God says I am. I am righteous before God because God through Jesus says I'm righteous. I am a son. I am, for for the women in the room, I am a daughter of God. We live in a fatherless generation. So if you have no father, my friend, you might not have a father here on earth, but you have a father in heaven, and he is the great I am. And he says, you are my son in whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. You are my daughter, precious, loved, and I love you. So then you need to start speaking what God has already said over your life. I am beautiful. (laughs) I I am precious. There are so many people out there, my friends, you might be one of them, I don't know, that allow things to happen to their life. Husbands cheating on their wives. Wives knowing it and not doing anything about it. Because I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm going to do in the future. I'm afraid. I, I'm anxious. I, I'm depressed because I did this, and I don't know if God will forgive me. And you know what that tells me? That the devil speaks louder than God in your life. What do, so what does, this, what does this have to do with John the Baptist? I'm sorry if I'm calling anyone out. I'm calling myself out as well. So I'm like, I'm here feeling it, right? So what, what, what does this mean? Man, I feel like this hit me like, a, like a, a whirlwind as I was just processing this. John chapter 1, if you look at it, it is about the incarnate Jesus, meaning God, cosmic, powerful, big, pow- like magnificent. He came In flesh and blood to dwell among us. Remember that word dwell? His presence is with us. So the first chapter of John, John, the apostle, is trying to tell us he's here with us now. He is the great I am now. And so he's like, oh man, this Jesus, look at verse 30. A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I don't know who that's for this morning, but God says I was with you. He also says I will be with you. I was with you in that moment of of pain and brokenness and that injustice that was done to you. I was with you, by the way. But I also will be with you in the future. We must learn how to live in the I am statements of God. So I want to, are you guys good with that? Can you breathe like, oh, that feels good? Yeah, I'm good. I am good. You're good. If you have God, you're going to be okay. I'll say it again. If you have God, you're going to be okay. Friend, 
What, what logic comes in when you hear that? Oh, yeah, but I got to do this and that. and this. No, no, no. If you have God, you're going to be okay. Stop living in the false I am statements. If you have God, you're going to be okay. Now, pastorally, we have work to do. Much work, friend. Because we have to rewrite your mind and the neural pathways in your brain. Because every time someone comes against you or says something about you or the finances are low, you have a neural pathway, a way of driving home that goes right back to that moment, right back to that experience, right back to the words you speak. And you and I and us as a community, with the power of God, what, is, what does Paul say? You have, in order to be transformed, <laughs> we have to renew your mind. With renew it with what? With with this book right here. With the Bible. With the Word of God. With the Scripture. And we're Pentecostal here, or I am, charismatic, and the Spirit of God. Because there will come a day, John four, where we will worship God in spirit and in truth. The Holy Spirit will guide you. You know, you know who spoke to me this morning when I was thinking all this stuff? It was the Holy Spirit. Why are you believing that? Why are you living in that? Why are you speaking that over your life? And what I used to do, you can ask Kelly, well, Kel, you know, oh, you know, gosh, I just got to do this and I got to do that. We got to figure this out. Or gotta, and it's like I'm speaking so many false I am statements over my life. So my friend, I'm with you in this. We have to stop this. Do you believe God? I do. I don't know who else I will believe then. Where, who else will I go? David says, like, where do I go? I can go anywhere in the world, and there God is. You can go at the deepest part of the ocean, miles deep. God will still be there. You can go to the highest mountaintop. You can go beyond our galaxy into another galaxy, into the cosmic being for infinity, and God will still be there, who was and is and is to come. But I need oftentimes God with me right now. How about you? Right now. Right now. That's not even my message, but we're good. You guys good? I got 25 minutes. Let's go. We got work to do, church. All right. You guys good? Okay. I got four points for you on this, four perspectives, because next John is paying spontaneous tribute to Jesus, and he does it over and over and over again. He calls him, Jesus, that tremendous title, which has become woven into the very language of devotion. And what's the title? The Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. We sing about it. We talk about it. We worship it. We read it in the book of Revelation. What was in John's mind when he used that title? And that's what we're talking about today, the Lamb of God. There are at least four pictures which may well contribute something to it. This is theologic perspective, and this is important. This is the teaching part, okay? So if you like the teaching and the notes, this is your moment. Number one, it may well have been that John was thinking of the Passover lamb. If you were a Jew, you very well knew what this meant. The Passover feast was not very far away if you look at John 2, verse 13. It wasn't far away. 
this festival, this feast of these Jews, why, what would they do? The old story of the Passover was that it was the blood of the slain lamb which protected the houses of the Israelites on the night when they left Egypt. So if you grew up in Bible school, we're, gonna, we're teaching that to your kids, by the way. Moses and the plagues. Well, the last one, on that night when the angel of death walked abroad and slew the firstborn of the Egyptians, the Israelites were to smear their doorposts with the blood of a slain lamb. How weird, right? You're like, what's going on here? And the angel seeing it, the angel of death seeing it, if he saw the, 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 the blood of a lamb over the doorpost, he would pass over it. But if there was no blood on the doorpost, that meant to the angel of death, they are not with God. They're darkness. They're the enemy. So there was a protection. This blood that the angel saw protected them. On that night, this happened, the blood of the lamb delivered them from destruction. It has been suggested that even as John the Baptist saw Jesus, there passed by flocks of lambs being driven up to Jerusalem, because they're in Bethany, very close to Jerusalem, from the country districts to serve as sacrifices of the Passover. So like, do you see the imagery? John is like doing his thing. He has his disciples, John the Baptist, and he's like, guys, guys, he already baptized Jesus, by the way. Hey, Behold, the Lamb of God. And who knows, there might have been shepherds taking all these lambs because they would sacrifice the lambs on the Passover to celebrate their God, that he protected them. So it could have been, that's what John saw, that's what John spoke. The blood of the Passover lamb delivered the Israelites in Egypt from death, and it may be that John saw this. There is one true sacrifice who can deliver you from death, friend. Paul, too, thought of Jesus as the Passover lamb in 1 Corinthians 5, 7. The next observation could be John was the, he was the son of a priest, John the Baptist. He would know all the ritual of the temple and its sacrifices. Every morning and every evening, a lamb was sacrificed in the temple for the sins of the people. In Exodus 29. So long as the temple stood, this daily, imagine that. Can you, I, this is some like wild, like Mayan stuff. Seriously. But there was a sacrifice of a lamb in the morning and in the evening. And the priest would walk into the Holy of Holies on behalf of the people and say, God, forgive them. God, forgive their trespasses. God, forgive their brokenness. And the sign of protection was a slain lamb. Every day, guys. Every single day they would do this. Two lambs would be slain every day in the temple. Strange. But even when the people were starving in war and in siege, they never omitted to offer the lamb until in, in 70 AD the temple was destroyed. After the temple was destroyed, they can't sacrifice anymore. Do you know that? Jews cannot, they feel, Jews right now feel like their sins aren't fully forgiven because they can't sacrifice a lamb. Right now, today, a Jewish boy and, and daughter feels the weight of that because they don't have their temple in Jerusalem. It's taken over by another faith. Is this making sense? You guys good? We're just doing some teaching right now. 
It may be that John is saying, in the temple, a lamb is offered. A lamb is offered every night and every morning for the sins of the people. But in this Jesus is only one sacrifice that can deliver men and women from sin forever. The third observation, there are two great great pictures of the land in the prophets. I don't know if you knew this. Jeremiah writes, but I was like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. And Jeremiah 11. And Isaiah has the great picture of the one who was brought like a lamb to the slaughter. Isaiah 53. Both these great prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah, had the vision of one who by his sufferings and his sacrifice meekly and lovingly born would redeem his people. Does that make sense? Like we're talking 500 plus years. The prophets were getting these depictions and writing about it. And then John 500 years later says, hey, behold the lamb. There he is, guys. So if you were a Jew, you knew exactly what he meant. Because you read about it in the Old Testament. You knew Jeremiah. You knew Isaiah. You knew the sacrifice of the Passover. So imagine how audacious to say, that's the Lamb of God. It is certainly true that in latter times, the picture of Isaiah 53 became to the church one of the most precious forecasts of Jesus in the Old Testament. It may be that John the Baptist was the first to see it this way. Here's the last one. I thought this one was interesting. There is a fourth picture which would be very familiar to the Jews, although very strange to us. Between the Old and the New Testament, there were the days of great struggles of the Maccabees. In those days, the lamb, and especially the horned lamb, was the symbol of a great conqueror. Did you know that? Judas Maccabeus is so described as a horned lamb, as are Samuel, David, and Solomon. That's a conquering lamb. We get a picture of like, oh, it's a sweet little lamb. We're talking about a conquering lamb now. It's like, you know, the lion's better, right? But we're talking about a conquering lamb with, with horns. The lamb, strange it may sound to us, stood for the conquering champion of God. It may well be that this is no picture of gentle and helpless weakness, but rather a picture of conquering majesty and power. Jesus was the champion of God who fought against sin, death, and mastered it and conquered it. So there is sheer wonder in this phrase, the Lamb of God, isn't there? The Lamb of God. Whoa. The Lamb of God. It so haunted the writer of Revelation, John, the apostle, 29 times he used it. It becomes one of the most precious titles of Christ. In one word, it sums up the love, the sacrifice, the suffering, and the triumph of Christ. John says that he did not know Jesus, John the Baptist. Did you notice that? But Jesus was his cousin. How do you not know your cousin? John was a relative. Luke 1.36 says this, and he must have been acquainted with him, yes, but what John is saying is not that he did not know who Jesus was, but that he did not know what Jesus was. Like, I know him, but I don't really know if I, like, know what he is. And so, like, it was like a light bulb. Oh, that's God. That's the Lamb of God right there. 
Once again, John makes clear what his only function was. I love this, friend. We need, like, we need to preach about this every Sunday. John recognizes what his function is. It was to point others to Christ. He was nothing, and Christ was everything. He claimed no greatness and no place for himself. He was only the man who, as it were, drew back the curtain and left Jesus occupying the lonely center of the stage, the limelight. Because you need to understand this. John was also a rabbi, John the Baptist. He had many disciples. So imagine the picture. Jesus is walking, and there's all these lambs on the countryside. John's walking with his disciples because the rabbi would have disciples. They would follow him, and he would teach them. And he's like, hey, it's not me. It's him. That's the guy. That's your God. Behold the Lamb of God. So do you feel that? Like the, like the space of that, the story of that, the understanding of that, that's where our mind has to go when we hear the Lamb of God. So what is this to you and I? Many things, but one should strike you to your core. Jesus came to deliver you. Do you know that? All the demonic oppression over your life, all the generational curses, all the evil. Some families are in, into like witchcraft, some families into witchery, um, some families are into tarot card readings, like all of that stuff comes from evil forces. Jesus came to deliver you from that. I know people that cannot forgive their mom and dad. Jesus came to deliver you for that. I know people that cannot forgive their spouse. Jesus came by his power to teach you how to forgive. How? To deliver you. In your brokenness, in my brokenness, in my mess of the life that I have at times, some is more than other, others, right? Jesus came to deliver you from that darkness. The monsters that rage within your soul that you can't seem to get a grip of, Jesus came to deliver you of that. That is the Lamb of God who came to take all of our sins on him. And Jesus came to die so we could live. Jesus came as a lamb, both meek, humble, and also with horns, strong and victorious. But more importantly, he came to be sacrificed. Do you understand that language now? Imagine how many years. And it wasn't just lambs, by the way. It was birds. It was this. It was that. You look at the Mayan culture. They sacrificed human beings. They wanted the heart. They cherished the blood. The Mayans never could comprehend Jesus. It was around somewhat of the same time. What is it about the blood? Well, what? it brings life. Your blood in your veins is what keeps you alive. And so, behold the Lamb of God, the one who will be sacrificed, so that his blood, his God blood, his cosmic blood would cover you for the rest of your life. All of your sin, all of your transgressions, all of your iniquity placed on him. That's the Lamb of God. So this is what Palm Sunday was about, by the way. Did you know that? So I want to read you John chapter 12. So we're jumping ahead. John chapter 12, starting at verse 12. You guys good, by the way? 
We got to teach sometimes. We really do. Yeah, come on. John chapter um, 12, starting at verse 1. I'm going to read this through. So just go with me in the story. Okay, Jesus is at the end of his ministry, like Otto was saying. And um, Palm Sunday, which is technically today, 2,000 plus years ago, was a festival of the Passover, the lamb stuff, the Egypt stuff of the angel and the death. And they celebrated and they glorified God. And they, they, they not only glorify God, but they say, I know one day you're going to send your king. One day you're going to get rid of Pharaoh. One day you're going ins- to take away the power that the Roman Empire has of us. One day, God. So we'll sacrifice and we'll remember. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. That's where he was baptized, by the way. Where Lazarus lived. Whom Jesus has raised from the dead. Jesus raised a man from the dead, by the way. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus among was among reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, poured it on Jesus' feet, wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas, we know him, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. That perfume was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and he was greedy and he loved money more than he loved God. As the keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied to Judas. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me here right now present with you. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, who died, by the way, in the tomb. They placed him. He was done. His heartbeat was gone. And Jesus had raised from the dead, so the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and then believing in him. So then, verse 12, you guys good? The next day, the great crowd that had come from the festival heard Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where the temple is, by the way. That temple was all the slain lamb sacrifices. They were probably doing it right then and there. They took palm branches, and they went out to meet him, saying, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. They were shouting that. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, because as it was written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. We don't have time to go into that, but Solomon sat on a donkey's colt. And Solomon is the great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus. 
Jesus found a young donkey and he did that. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continue to spread the word of this resurrecting power of Jesus that he brings dead men to life. So the Pharisees said to one, or watch this, this broke me when I read this. See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Wow. And little did the Pharisees, the chief priests know, they thought it was their world, but it would be the whole world that Jesus would bring dead men and women to life. So I don't know about you, man, but I get on my knees and say, holy, holy, you're a worthy God. You, you, you had me die so I could live. But here's the problem. There's two people in the story. There are the men and women, Hosanna, Hosanna, you did a great thing. I'm going to worship you with my words. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. The king is here. He's going to save us, Hosanna, and we worship God with our words. But what happens when he disappoints you or he dies and you're like, where is he? Where? And you forget him. You don't realize that he will resurrect again, that he is God. And so I don't know why, man, but like my, my mind just keeps going to this. And I'm sorry if I say this every week. You're probably like, gosh, he talks about it every week. But like, <laughs> Jesus is your Savior, right? But is he your king? That's it. It's like, you, you can just say it. Hosanna, Hosanna. But when it comes down to it, is he your king? Because that's not just word, friend. That's posture. That's life. That's body movement. That's mindset. That's renewing and transforming your mind. That's no longer living as the dead man. He came so that everyone would die. Have you died yet? Honestly, have you died? Because I'm, I'm a dead man walking now. I'm a dead man walking right now, right, right now. Who, who are the dead men and women in the room? And I'm, I'm talking about you've died to this world. You've died. Have you died? Or, or are you still going back to the old ways? Are you still going back to the old man? Or have you picked up the tomb and you see it? Man, oh gosh, but it was good. It was good in the, in the I was. I liked it because sin feels good for a moment. I'm not going to lie to you. We all know that. The pleasure, the greed, the money, the fame, the, the, the conceitedness, the, the, the lure. And oftentimes, if we're not ready to let the man die, the woman die and stay in its grave, we do not know the power then of resurrection. So for whoever's getting baptized next week, this is like what this means. Like, are you ready to die? I'm ready to die, man. 
I'm, I've been dead, but I came back alive. I, 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 greater, is, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. My God says that he will make me the head and not the tail. That's what my mom would pray over me every day when I'd go to school. God, I pray that Sammy would be a leader, that he would not be led, that he would be the head and not the tail. Be, be a leader to this world. We don't need more dark leaders. We have plenty of those. And it's boring after a while. It's like the same thing over and over. Sin is boring. But when you stand in the light, you have to be willing to say, he is king. And mean it. And live it. And walk it. And breathe it. Hosanna. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Can you do that? Not just with word, but like here. That's what I'm after. I'm after that. I'm after that God. And you know what he does? I was talk, texting to a guy last night because it's wild. And he's like, I'm like, man, you don't know how to forgive? He's like, no, I don't know how to forgive. And I'm like, do you know Jesus? He tells me he's a Christian. No, do you really know Jesus? Yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't know that Jesus because he took all of my jacked up mess on the cross with him. I don't have a right to not forgive you. That's not my right anymore, man. I'm, I'm a dead man. I've been resurrected with a new kingdom and that kingdom says life. That kingdom says forgiveness. That kingdom says, walk in the fullness of God. That kingdom says, I have an inheritance. That kingdom says, he has blessed me with his riches and his goodness. Not just financially, no, but like your soul. So wherever you're at in the room, that's my prayer over you, by the way. Is that you, before God, can say he's king. No, he's really king, man. He's really king. Not just, Hosanna when you raise people from the dead. Hosanna because you got me the job. Hosanna because I got that boyfriend that I've been praying for. Hosanna because I got my wife back. Hosanna because I got my husband back. And you know what happens? It's like the same story over and over and over again. I've read it so many times. We get God and he's good and we're in the I am and it feels good and then we forget about him. It's like... That is not surrender. Does that make sense? Like, how dare I, how dare I manipulate God? You know, he's so good, he'll still do it. But you're the one that's not getting it. I'm the one that's not getting it. It's this, friend, it's this, it's this, it's full surrender. Every ounce of who I am is dead. Stop living like the culture. Stop walking in it. Stop breathing. Stop talking in it. We serve a different king. A new kingdom. And it's just like, man, I, I have no problem. I'll just walk around like this. I don't care. Just, I'm a dead man walking. I've been dead, man. And all my junk is dead in the grave. But he resurrected my life. 
Because if my God can be resurrected, so can I. So can I. You know why? Because he's my father. My father said, I'll give you whatever is mine is yours. Okay, so then I can, I can rise too. You hear that? You can rise too. This isn't like, oh, the prosperity stuff and self-help church stuff. No, I am a son of God. I can rise too. I can move forward too. I can prevail too. Stop living like your dad. If he was broken and hurt and depressed, stop living broken, hurt, and depressed. Your father is God now. You serve a new father. And some of you, I, I, got, I, was like, I got a great dad. My dad, I love my dad, but he, he's not like God. I, I hope Lenny will say, he's a good dad. I love my dad. He's like, no, Lenny, you got, you, got you got a good father. Zoe, you got a good father. So where are you at with all this? I'm not here to persuade you. Paul says that. I'm not here to persuade you with good words to manipulate you. It's only by the power of God that can do that. So where are you in all of this? You know, I was telling Eric earlier, because I tell everyone this, I always think about it. When people give their lives to Jesus, it's like, now, now it's time to be discipled. It's time to be discipled, right? And live like that, joyful. Not walking around like, oh, I got Jesus now. I live in I was. Yeah. I got Jesus now, but I'm so worried about the future and what I'll do. I don't know what to do. No one will help me. It's like, no, you got God, man. God will help you. You, you. You have access to power that is not your own, but God says, no, it's yours now because you're my son and daughter. Access, not just to this, but to God, the power of God, the same Holy Spirit that resurrected Jesus from the grave is in you who proclaim Jesus. I'm sorry, man, I'll just keep ranting. I'll just keep talking. I just love this Jesus so much. He's changed my life. He's still changing my life. He's still working in my life. I still got things to work on. Did you know that? You can talk to Kelly. She, she got some things she's got to work on too. We all got stuff we got to work on. How dare us? That's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is humble, is meek is ready to learn, is ready to lean in, is ready to step in, is to stop living in the old I was. That's the kingdom of God. What is the, how does the world, oh, I got it all, man. I'm good, I'm macho, I'm toxic. I'm a man, I'm a manly man. I'm, I'm, I'm good, man, I don't need to tell you my, I don't need to cry. It's like, good luck with that, man. Because my Jesus wept over a city. That tells me he had a heart, not of stone, but of flesh. I don't mean to offend anyone, I'm sorry. I just, I'm just so tired of playing church. How about you? Like, it can't just be a Sunday thing. Have you made it a Sunday thing? Your family, your children, 
Who has children in the room? Let me just see a hand. Who wants to have children in the room? Come on. I mean, I just know the, the God of the future, and he knows. So if you, if you have children or want children in the room, can I tell you this? I know the ladies are like, single ladies. <laughs> anyway. If, if, gosh, it's just, God is a God of generations. He's a God of generations. Do you, do you think he mourns when you're not living in the way that you've been called to live? He's teaching me a lot about Father. And if Lenya and Zoe lived a life and I knew what they were called to and they weren't living it, I would mourn that. And my Bible says, this is why you got to know the Bible, Jesus intercedes to the Father on your behalf. Did you know that? Did you know that Jesus in the form of a man loves you and he has a plan for you? But some of you, help me articulate this guy. Some of you need to know who the Father is too. Do you know the Father? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Like right now, do you know the Father? What does the Father say about you, to you, for you? Let's pray. Jesus, I just recognize that you're, God, you're in the room, and that, God, you want to heal the brokenhearted. You want to reframe, re-examine, transform our brain, God, into your likeness, which takes much work, could happen in a moment, but discipleship requires a renewing. And, and Lord, I just pray for any man or woman in the room that is ready, is tired of not living how they're called to live. I just pray right now, Jesus, that you would expose to them, it's called surrender. Full surrender, being able to not just sing worthy, Hosanna, but to live it. So right now, Jesus, would you do that? Would you do that in the room? name we pray. Amen. 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 Yeah, so if you just, we're going to have ministry time.